Hello there, and welcome to Not The Farmer's Wife podcast. I'm CJ Steedman, and I'm definitely not the farmer's wife. I am a mum, a partner, a full-time off-farm worker, and enthusiastically a lady farmer. On our farm, Mojo Homestead, we grow chickens, goats, cows, and bees. We practice regenerative agriculture and holistic management. If, like me, you love all things farming and homesteading, and if you'd like to learn from the female farmer's perspective, then I'd love to have you along for the ride. So let's get farming. G'day everyone. Welcome to episode one of Not the Farmer's Wife. I'm CJ. And given this is the first episode, I thought the best thing I could do was introduce myself and let you know a little bit about my background and why I love farming so much. So I was born in Southport, in Queensland, Australia, but lived most of my childhood in Sydney on the northern beaches in an area called Worrywood. Uh, my parents were what I guess would have been called back then um, alternative lifestylers. Uh, they had a, a passion and a dream to move out of the burbs and go to a farm. And that was realised um, when we were able to, through an inheritance, purchase a farm in the Hunter Valley area in New South Wales. So we moved away from Sydney when I was uh, 12 years old, maybe just, just as I turned 13. And we moved to just under 400 acres in the Hunter Valley. And it was a huge change for uh, a 13-year-old girl to go from living on the beach in Sydney to suddenly being... Uh, out on an isolated property, um, a long way from anything bigger than, you know, a town, a little township. So uh, I did schooling there for a couple of months, but then it was too far to travel into school. And so my mum and dad decided to put myself and my middle brother, I'm the youngest, on um, correspondence. So we actually did correspondence for my year nine and year ten. And um, during that time, I spent a lot of time helping out on the farm. Uh, Mum and Dad's goal was to uh, produce all their own food and become very self-sufficient. That was their goal. And I had horses, which was my main passion at that age, at 13. And, um, and so I helped out on the farm. We had um, chickens that we raised for meat, and we obviously had chickens for eggs as well. Um, we had beef cattle. Uh, my mum was very passionate about milking goats, so we had milking goats, um, and we also had a Jersey, uh, not a Jersey, we had a uh, Frisian cow called Gypsy. Uh, we always wanted a Jersey, we never got one. Uh, but the Frisian was uh, a treat. She, um, I used to milk her each morning, and uh, I'd get about nine litres of milk, which was just amazing. Uh, we also went on to then have... Um, pigs so we raised the pigs by giving them uh, the leftover milk and excess milk that we had from our uh, Frisian cow um, and we had you know veggie gardens and things like that we were never a um, traditional farm in that sense we never had crop fields of crops and we never had you know 100 head of cattle or anything like that uh, we were very much uh, more of a self-sufficient farm with fruit trees and our own veggie garden and then supplying our own meat. Um, and we supplemented the meat that we had on the farm also by um, trapping uh, fish and rabbits uh, to eat and kangaroo occasionally. 
So I was exposed to a very wide um, and diverse level of meat uh, from a fairly early age. Um, I did try being a vegetarian briefly. It did not suit me. <laughs> I'm not sure that, um, that it would ever suit me. And I respect the fact that some people feel more comfortable living that lifestyle. But for me, I've always been a meat eater. And I've always been aware of the fact that uh, the way that our meat is processed and made is always not so great. And so I guess I've taken on some of my parents' uh, beliefs as far as being able to raise your own meat and raise your own uh, food supplies. So uh, I left home at a fairly early age. I was 15 when I left home, but I was backwards and forwards between the farm um, because I, I left home at 15 to go to school and I stayed with a relative to go to school during that period. Uh, but I would still come back to the farm and help my mum my out. Uh, Dad worked off farm because farming just doesn't earn a lot of money. And most people that have lived on a farm realise that there are times where they need off-farm income. Um, so then as a late teenager, early 20s, I travelled quite a bit. Eventually, at the age of 24, going to live in Papua New Guinea uh, to work on contract uh, with my then partner. And I um, was studying bookkeeping at that point and accountancy. And after four years in Papua New Guinea, I realised that I really wanted to come back home to Australia. And I decided to come back and join the police force. Um, I felt like I wanted to do a community service job in Australia after being away for some time. So I came back and joined the police force and I've actually been in the police force for 22 years and uh, while I love it and it is like family and it is a hard job but it's also a very rewarding job, deep down my passion's always been to get back onto a farm. So during that period, I the first half of my career, I was just a, a single woman working and doing all the things that most single girls do. And then uh, a little bit later in life, at the age of 38, I had my first child. And I had a daughter who is now 13. And she changed my perspective on where I was heading. And at that point, I realised I really did need to get back onto a property and get back into a situation where I could control our food supply and become more self-sufficient for her. So uh, two years after I had her, I had my son um, and uh, when he was three and my daughter was five, I separated from their father, which um, made things a little bit tight financially. And anybody that's been a single mum would understand or a single parent would understand that it is a little hard when you don't have um, the double income coming in. So I had to sell the house that I was living in and I decided to move out of town. And I moved out of town for two reasons. One was that I could buy a cheaper house to live in. Um, and the second was that I could find a house that was on two and a half acres. And around the time that I was going through that process, I met the person that I quite often refer to as the handy helper. The handy helper is uh, a lovely man who was a um, separated um, dad. Uh, he has three children, one growing up and two smaller children. And uh, I met him and he saw what I was trying to do and really wanted to come along for the ride. And he's been with me ever since. 
So we moved to a, a little town outside of Canberra on two and a half acres. And uh, when we got out there, we got veggie gardens going. We got fruit trees. My mum gave me two milking does that she had that were excess to what she needed. And, um, and I've had them. I still have them, Hazel and Willow. They're gorgeous. They'll, you'll see them on my TikTok pages if you go on there. I do a lot of videos with them. And uh, we started that process of backyard chickens, backyard veggie gardens, milking goats and I realized that two and a half acres wasn't enough <laughs> and a lot of people get to a small acreage and they're quite happy to stay there uh, for me I knew straight away that I needed more land and I wanted more and I wanted to do it full-time which is a dream that I haven't realized yet but I'm working on it so uh, we did up the house as best we could and we fixed up a few things around the house, put in some water tanks, things like that. And then we started looking. <laughs> and I kept missing out. Every time I would go and look at a farm or a house that was on acreage or even a vacant block, something would happen that would just fall through and we wouldn't get there. Uh, I remember speaking to my mum around that time and she said to me, you know, everything happens for a reason. And if you aren't getting those properties, then there's probably a really good reason why you're not. And it's because they're not the one. They're not the one that you're meant to have. They're not the one that's going to be the final farm. And she was right. I didn't want to admit it at the time, but she was absolutely right. So um, after about 18 months of looking, suddenly I was homesick. I was actually at home sick from work from my day job. And I opened up All Homes and I saw, for those that don't know, All Homes is a, a real estate page in Australia. And I saw a farm, it was in the area that I consider to be my golden triangle. <coughs> and, um, and that area was close enough for me to travel to work. It was an area that had bus facilities for my children to go to school um, and it was isolated enough without being too far from anything. It was also 120 acres, which I had in my head was a perfect size. It had a house on it, albeit a small converted barn, but it was a house. And we could have moved straight in. So I moved Helen Highwater and I put in an offer and luckily... For me, very luckily, the people that were selling it actually knew me through my daughter's school. And they agreed to the price. And so in 2020, we moved on to what I call the big farm, which is Mojo Homestead. And when we got here, the people that were moving, they were leaving farming. So they left some horses behind. And they also left some angoras, which I'd never, never really been exposed to angoras. I think I studied a little bit about them at school in agriculture, but not familiar with them. But it was fenced and ready to go. Five dams, a natural spring, the house, uh, solar powered, so we're completely off grid. Um, we have no electricity connection here. 
Um, we had a small water tank when we first moved in, 25,000 litres, which is not really enough for a family. Um, gas tanks for our gas and a septic system for our toilet. Um, so we moved out here, middle of the year 2020. And since then, the farm has expanded. We have um, about 50 egg chickens. We have just, uh, as I'm talking now in February 2023, uh, just dispatched our first batch of um, meat birds for us to eat for, con for our own consumption. We have two potty calves in the paddock. One is a um, Angus Cross Frisian and the other one's a purebred Frisian which I'm going to use for milking once she's had a calf. We still have Willow and Hazel, our milking goats. And they have subsequently had kids after kids after kids. Um, unfortunately, in farming, uh, things happen and we have lost kids. We've had kids pass from uh, infections. We've had kids pass from injury. Um, we've had one kid die from bloat. And we've lost a nanny to mastitis. And unfortunately, that's just part of farming, that animals do pass. And it's something that certainly, while I was prepared for, I'm not sure the rest of the family was prepared for. Um, but this year we had five healthy babies survive. Um, and uh, we're hoping that this next coming year, we, we only late last year got a, um, a new Anglo-Nubian buck for our milkers. And Rocky is geared up for a great season in 2023. So I'm hoping we're going to have a multitude of baby goats over the next 12 months. Um, we also have um, a Merima dog, Merima, um, some people refer to them as. They're a livestock guardian dog. And her name is Luna, and she's three, and she looks after the goats and the chickens and the potty calves, and my children, and anything else that she deems is part of her flock on the farm. Uh, they're very protective, and they have a natural nature of looking after everything. You don't actually have to teach them. Um, I also, uh, in 2019, completed a beekeeping course and started keeping bees, uh, which is another thing that I'm quite passionate about, is my beekeeping um, I think anybody that understands how biology works will know that plants can't survive without bees and we have also had what would be considered a bit of a bee crisis, uh, particularly over the last 12 months um, with a varroa mite that has infiltrated Australia um, despite the fact that we had tried very hard to keep it away. But I, at this point in time, I currently have um, seven hives. Two of them are what's called a Kenyan top bar hive, which is a natural hive keeping system uh, where the bees are allowed to make their own um, comb, their own frames that they keep their honey and eggs in. And uh, I also have uh, five Langstroth hives, which are your standard box-shaped hive. Uh, my first hive 
is very strong. It's three boxes tall and uh, it is my main producer of honey. Um, but I'm hoping to expand my beekeeping. And at the moment I'm trying desperately to learn about rearing my own queens and being able to do splits from my hives. Um, so, the progress for the farm from here on in. My hope is eventually to be able to leave my day job and have a farm that is producing enough in eggs and meat and honey and vegetables and fruit that I can not only feed my family but I can sell excess that we produce and use that excess to be able to pay for the essential bills that need to be paid for. Um, most people that have been involved in farming would know that farming is expensive um, and that's a lot of people don't understand I think how expensive food can be when it's been properly grown and um, properly looked after but to buy um, grass-fed free-range meat the cost is higher the cost is higher for the producer and unfortunately that means the cost is higher for the consumer I do firmly believe though that the quality of grass-fed and non-factory farmed meat is so much higher that it is absolutely worth the extra cost. I'm not sure how that translates into um, consumer decisions, but I hope that as more people become educated about farming and educated about regenerative agriculture and the ways that we can produce meat without it having an impact on the earth that's adverse, that more consumers will be willing to pay the extra to have the better quality, more sustainable uh, food production. Um, certainly in my, in my learnings, I've um, learnt very heavily on Joel Salatin, who is an American farmer who has a very good model of regenerative agriculture where um, everything is pasture-raised and it's done in a way that it complements other things on the farm rather than goes against. He's very much a diversity farmer rather than a mono uh, farmer. And by mono I mean uh, crop farming, say, where you only produce the one particular style of crop or uh, meat farming where you only produce a certain style of meat. Generally farmers that go down that track tend to have to uh, purchase in everything. They have higher waste levels coming out of the animals because they don't have the ability to uh, share that load. Um, our intention on Mojo Homestead is to have um, our pasture-raised chickens following our pasture-raised beef and goats and when we have excess of milk from our goats and our milking cow being able to feed that back to our pasture raised chickens and also eventually pasture raised pork um, because they do very well on meat uh, but also being able to grow our own uh, feed supplies for our chickens and having the soil quality improved to a point that we 
um, don't need to bring in feed supplements. We will use rotational grazing to do that. And the added bonus of using rotational grazing is that um, there becomes less, less of a pest burden for the animals. So when uh, cattle are moved from paddock to paddock and goats and chickens, when they move from paddock to paddock, the, they're not over their own manure on a constant basis, which means the manure gets a chance to break down. The worms that are in the manure will die. And by the time the livestock are back into that paddock, um, there is no um, parasite burden that we have to concern ourselves with or a very minimal parasite burden. You can't eradicate it. You can just keep it at a minimal level where it's not impacting the animals. So that's our goal for Mojo Homestead. And uh, sorry about that. We've got noise in the background. It's a very windy day on the farm here where I'm recording and things are falling over all over the place. So over the next couple of weeks, um, I'm going to be talking about different things in relation to regenerative agriculture and keeping chickens for meat and for eggs. And also I'll talk about my goats. Um, I love my milkers. Uh, but I'm I'm very attached to my angoras now too. They're um they're quite cute and quite friendly once you get to know them. And my daughter is a gem at spinning. I don't know how she caught that bug because I'm terrible at it. I'm still learning. <laughs> but my mum is a spinner and my daughter has managed to catch the bug off her. Uh, and eventually being able to make our own yarn out of our angoras would be amazing. It's just another sustainable part of the farm that I would like to go into. Um, one thing I will mention for people that think about you know farming and, and how it would work and how the costs would be impacted is that for most farmers there's one one member of the family has to work off farm and that's unfortunate uh, because it takes your time away from the farm but farming is expensive um, and certainly for me, I've been trying to find alternate uh, sources of income so that I can stay on the farm instead of going to a paid job each day. Um, so I'm also a seller on Amazon. I have products that I list on Amazon to sell. And I also have a Shopify page where I do print-on-demand farm products. Um, and I'm hoping that as time progresses and as those as the Shopify page becomes uh, more noticed, uh, that I'll get to a point where I don't have to work off farm because I have some relatively passive income that will allow me um, a, a steady supply of income to pay bills and to make sure that I'm covered for certain expenses that can't be got out of. But certainly from a food bill side of things, I'm hoping that I will have enough money um, to pay the bills and not have to worry about shopping expenses so much because I have apple trees and I have a veggie garden and we have eggs. And then as our meat supply comes up, I'm hoping that we'll get to a point where uh, I only have to buy very minimal things from the grocery store. Um, I loathe supermarkets. It's my most hated chore going to the supermarket and doing shopping. I'm sure some other people out there would agree with that. Um, anyway, so 
I will be covering over the next season and I'm not sure how long the podcast will run for. This is um, a bit of a test project for me. I've never podcasted before. So every now and then you'll hear mistakes and you'll hear things dropping in the background like it did just then with the wind blowing through the window. Um, There's also the added benefit of sometimes hearing the animals in the background um, because we do have a lot of animal noises because we do live on the farm. Uh, But yeah, over the next couple of weeks, hopefully we will discuss uh, lots of things in relation to um, how you could live on a farm what type of things you need to consider living on a farm, uh, what animals would be suitable depending on the size of your farm. But I'm also hoping to spread information to people who don't necessarily want to live on a farm but would still like to have a self-sustaining lifestyle in a backyard environment. There's absolutely no reason why somebody living in a backyard can't uh, keep backyard chickens. Um, even if you don't want to keep them for meat purposes, having three hens in the backyard for eggs is beneficial in so many ways. You not only get the eggs, obviously, which is the greatest part of it, uh, but you also have three little birds who aerate the soil for you, uh, will reduce the pest load in your own backyard by eating grubs and bugs and things like that. Uh, They'll eat your scraps out of your kitchen, which will then reduce the amount of waste that you're sending out of your house in rubbish. Um, They also will provide you with manure, which you can put back into your garden beds, and the whole cycle completes itself. It's it's a win-win for everybody. Add to that that I'm probably a little biased when I say that chickens are really cool little birds. Um, I love them. My kids love them. They refer to them as the little mini dinosaurs uh, because technically they are the closest living thing to a dinosaur. Um, But they have personalities. And I think um, anybody that's been around chickens would would know that. But if you have a little flock in your backyard, you will notice personalities about them. And those personalities are awesome. Uh, Even with 50, we still see personalities. Um, And that's certainly... You know, there's a lot of personalities in there, but there's always that one bird that just has a little bit of a cheeky stance about it that comes over and chats to you when it's feed time or when you're cleaning out their run. So I am a little biased with chickens, but I honestly think that even somebody living in a backyard environment can keep chickens. Uh, Beekeeping can absolutely be done in an urban environment. Um, In fact, I would encourage anybody who's interested in beekeeping to really strongly consider it. Um, Not just for the benefit of the honey. I don't do it for the benefit of the honey. That is just the the icing on the cake. Um, The fact that the bees do so much to help pollinate my veggie garden, um, and I, I speak from experience there, prior to having bees, my veggie garden was terrible. I am not a green thumb. I love growing veggies. (laughs) I'm not very good at growing veggies. Um, But without the bees, I had a terrible time getting pollination to happen. And when the bees arrived, oh my goodness, I couldn't, I I was giving away vegetables. I had so much. So anybody who's ever considered beekeeping, I would strongly encourage you to really, really um, look into what you could do in your area. 
Um, if, if you're somebody who lives in an apartment, I think you can still still go down the track of self-sufficiency. Um, I know here in Canberra, uh, where I work, there are so many community gardens and the community gardens are set up in a way that you can just pop in when you have time. It doesn't matter what shift you work. It doesn't matter whether you have children. You can pop in, do your veggie garden. They're fenced to keep predators out. Um, there's certainly some of my beekeeping friends keep beehives within those community gardens which again helps with pollination so everybody has a bumper crop each year um, there's absolutely something for everybody when it comes to being self-sufficient from the earth and I would strongly encourage you even if you live in an apartment to consider that and to, to think whether or not there's a community guard, garden near you that you could utilize and don't be shy about going down there. People that work gardens are always happy to talk about their gardening. Um, certainly in the next couple of weeks, I have a gardening friend that I'm hoping to bring onto the show to interview about her take on gardening and backyard gardening in particular, but also community gardening. Um, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, I can spread the word out there via this podcast about uh, what people need to do to be a little bit more self-sufficient in their own homes. Anyway, that's probably enough about me and my background and what I'm planning to do. Um, I'm hoping next week we might cover a little bit of um, history. I love history. I'm sorry if people find it boring, but uh, I, I love talking about it. I love the fact that we've gone through a bit of an industrial revolution with farming and we're now coming out the other side and swinging back towards more traditional methods of farming and having a bit of a look at how things used to work uh, particularly with our regenerative agriculture so I'm hoping next week to talk a little bit about history um, and uh, how women have played a very big role in farming um, because I believe quite strongly that women are capable of doing all the things and we we absolutely make great farmers we understand the cycles of the earth we understand how mother nature works so i'm hoping you'll join me next week but until then thank you so much for listening thanks so much for listening today i hope you've enjoyed our time together if you did i'd be so grateful if you left me a review I would also absolutely love it if you tagged me in your next post on your favourite socials at either Not The Farmer's Wife or Mojo Homestead. And don't forget to get your free guide to backyard chicken keeping at www.mojohomestead.net backslash seven must knows. And remember, grow the life you want to live. See ya. See ya.